Today's episode of Jam Session here on Ringer Dish on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by World Central Kitchen. Their relief team is working across America to safely distribute individually packaged fresh meals in communities that need support. They're now serving tens of thousands of meals daily in some of the biggest cities like New York and LA, and they're launching initiatives across America to deliver fresh hot meals to hospitals and clinics fighting on the front lines while keeping local restaurants and business as well. You can directly help the heroes in hospitals and clinics who are fighting for us, and you can help keep your local restaurants alive. Go to theringer.com slash WCK to donate. We're trying to raise $250,000. That will help our hospital heroes, emergency workers, and local restaurants. Please give whatever you can. The money goes directly to World Central Kitchen, and it's a charitable donation. Again, that's theringer.com slash WCK. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. Still in quarantine. Hey, Amanda. Hello, Juliet. Still in quarantine, still talking about Meghan and Harry. We're going to get into their statement released on Sunday night. Going to check in on two of our faves, Brad Pitt, Nancy Myers, and just do some recommendations. But first, of course, let's talk about the Sussexes, your Los Angeles neighbors, our Los Angeles neighbors. <laughs> yes, that's true. We got a week off last week, right? Last we did, week, yeah. we didn't actually talk about them. That was... I, that was good for everyone, I think. And unfortunately, now they're back. I feel like we should talk. About, there are several facets of this. They were spotted in Los Angeles, and I sent you the paparazzi photos, and we tried to diagnose uh, which neighborhood they were in. Let's start there. Let's talk about okay. where they are in L.A. Okay. So the picture, there's two sets of paparazzi photos. One is them um, leaving a home on a slo- on a very clear slope. So they're mm-hmm. on a hill somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um and then the other is them delivering meals in Burbank. And they clearly were delivering meals in Burbank because they were next to like some signs that said Burbank. I, I looked it up. I was like, cool. That seems like a normal place to be delivering meals. I, I buy it. Where sure. are they? Where are they currently staying? So they were on a hill. So that points to a couple of areas. I think it would be completely implausible that they are in the Hollywood Hills or above West Hollywood, like in the Sunset Plaza area, because it's just um, they're West Side people. It's just obvious. I agree with that. I think they're West Side people because um, Megan's mother is she's in the Valley, but she's on the West Side, I believe. And there's there's just more privacy and more mechanisms for them to stay relatively hidden on the West Side. But I, I do agree when we were looking at the background of the photos, they did have a certain Hollywood Hills vibe to a modern house. Yes, it was a modern house that is common in the Hollywood Hills. But I just don't, I just don't see that. I mean, I guess you could, you can go over the hill and get to the valley fairly quickly, but I just think that would be so wild. And I just don't think Megan would do that as she's very carefully cultivating her image. So I've been thinking about it. I think they're probably close to the Getty up in those hills, which is also where like Jennifer Garner lives and 405 access, but also close to the ocean. I think that makes sense. So they're probably not that close to Jennifer Garner because if they were close to Jennifer Garner, we would be aware of it because the paparazzi are close to Jennifer Garner because they're also close to Ben Affleck and Ada de Armas. And so I I think that's right, that they're probably West side-ish. They have to be in some sort of gated community. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Yeah, that's a good point. The other thing that's been rumored um, is Beverly Park, which is like at the above Beverly Hills, basically. It's where where Mm -hmm. Villa Rosa, where Lisa Vanderpump lives is possible, but I think they're probably like somewhere with good 405 access and 
And that also could be on the other side of the 405, which is like Bel Air-ish, basically. So I think they're either Brentwood Canyon or Bel Air. That's just my just my take. Have you noticed that do you think you're projecting at all? Because anytime I ask you about where you would live given unlimited resources and or where you would recommend that celebrities or people with a lot of means live in Los Angeles, 405 access is a common theme with you. Yeah, I think it's important for them. Okay. Expand on that for people who are not familiar with Los Angeles. It's a highway with a um, carpool lane, which I think is essential. (laughs) Um, It takes you to the Valley for shopping and like sushi. And it's just like a line of demarcation that I think people associate with. I think that if I was really rich, I would live in the Los Feliz Hills close to Griffith Park, probably, or in Malibu. I have been running past that. I've been doing a lot of running on Los Feliz Boulevard, which is below those hills, um, because it's very wide. And so you're able to keep a much further distance away from people, except for when cars go racing down Los Feliz Boulevard and I yell at them. If you have been driving down Los Feliz Boulevard and a woman has been uh, saying rude things to you from behind your car, that's me. Just FYI, slow down. There's room for everyone. But it does look very beautiful in those hills. I think that's a great choice. That's where Mark Ronson was living. That is that where Mark Ronson was living. Um, yeah. Where do you think they are? I think West Side. I, you know, Bel Air or similar someplace where there is space. And also I do think Privacy. some sort of gate gated community, just some basic, you know, most of the celebrities, I have been thinking a lot about gated communities because on the aforementioned runs that I'm going on, I run by a very small gated community um, that's between uh, Los Feliz Boulevard and Franklin Avenue in the like it's kind of like Hollywood Hills East pretty it's between Hollywood Hills and the Los Feliz Hills and I believe it is where Angelina Jolie lives and several other celebrities but it, it's gated and they're they're very nice subtle gates that's where Cecil B. DeMille lived right yes because that's Angelina Jolie bought that house but it just is very clear. And those are just, those are the streets that I can't run down and that's fine. I have other streets that I can run down, but I can't imagine them going without it. I like yeah. all of the speculation in the tabloids of like, will they buy this Malibu house and will they buy that Malibu house and will they live here and will they live there? If there are other houses visible in the photos of the house, they're not buying it because yeah. they need a certain amount of physical barriers. So I think probably somewhere in the West side in the Hills is the best case for that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And also, like, it's not likely, but it's possible the house they were photographed outside of is not theirs, which brings us to the next photos, or at least not where they're staying, because mm-hmm. it seems like there's some suggestions that they staged the photos of them delivering the meals in Burbank. What is the what is the grounds for that? That because we got security cam footage and then there are paparazzi photos. They seem aware of the paparazzi. Yeah. So just, just that they were doing a good deed and they were caught like in the act of, of this instead of just instead, basically like allowing for the photo that I don't know if it's true, but basically setting up the photo op so that it wasn't, um, so that security cam footage wasn't being sold essentially. Yeah. I could see that. I wouldn't be surprised. I will also say, I, I have to imagine that they are the single most in demand photograph that exists right now. And paparazzi need to work too, even if we don't, we both consume their work and feel really queasy about it. I'm not going to pretend to be above paparazzi photos when we just spent 10 minutes being like, well, do you think it's this neighborhood? I'm really not, but I'm, I'm conscious, conscious of the conflict. 
inherent there. But so I, I do kind of think at some point they were going to be found by the paparazzi. Now, were they, was it intentional that they were found doing charity work? Possibly. But I'm also, you know, they're out there delivering meals to people who need it at a time when we need to do that. And I'm just not going to criticize it at all. I think I if, know. if, if you're listening to this and if you can, you know, either give to the ringers fund or to your local food bank or to frontline workers, or if you, if there's anything that you can do to help anyone in need right now, that is like way more important than anything that else we are discussing. And so if they arranged it in order to remind people to do that, that's fine. It's not what I would do, but it's fine. Okay. Yeah. I agree with you. I mean, they also, they are staging photos. It's great to stage photos, doing a good cause and like not going, walking your dogs or going to get coffee or going on a walk. So like, you know, I, I think that like their intentions to do good are definitely there. They just make so many other bizarre choices. And that leads to the statement they put out on Sunday night, which with more context has becoming a little bit clearer of why they did it, but it's still uh, pretty strange. Let me just read it. It was longer than it needed to be. So we'll just read pieces of it. Essentially they put, <laughs> they basically said they're no longer going to be complicit in working or in any way work with the sun, the daily mail, the daily express and the daily mirror. Uh, that also includes the mail on Sunday, which is part of the daily mail essentially. And all right. So here's what they said as the Duke and Duchess of Sussex now settle into the next chapter of their lives, no longer receive any publicly funded support. We are writing to set a new media relations policy specifically as it pertains to your organization. So this went to the four outlets, though it doesn't necessarily say that in this statement like you the duke and duchess of sussex believe that a free press is a cornerstone to any democracy particularly in moments of crisis at its best this free press shines light on dark places telling stories that would otherwise go untold standing up for what's right challenging power and holding those who abuse the system to account this is very washington post to them democracy dies in darkness mm-hmm. moving on we'll skip a few pieces here it is gravely concerning that an influential slice of the media over many years has sought to insulate themselves from taking accountability for what they say or print, even when they know it to be distorted, false, or invasive beyond reason. When power is enjoyed without responsibility, the trust we all place in this much-needed industry is degraded. There's a real human cost to this way of doing business, and it affects every corner of society. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex have watched people they know as well as complete strangers have their lives completely pulled apart for no good reason, other than the fact that salacious gossip boosts advertising revenue. With that said, please note that the Duke and Duchess of Sussex will not be engaging with your outlet. There will be no cooperation and zero engagement. This is also a policy being installed for their communication teams in order to protect that team from the side of the industry that readers never see. That's kind of the most important paragraph. Um, they also said what they don't do is offer themselves up as a currency for the economy of clickbait and distortion. We are encouraged that this new approach will be heard and respected. So this came out on Sunday night and was like pretty immediately derided by both fans and critics alike. Yes. So, so, I mean, some of this is timing. And I think this goes for everything that they're doing, which is just spectacularly bad timing and making things about them at a moment when just it's really we're not focusing on these petty problems and we're not focusing on these issues. We have larger problems and more important people to focus our attention on. But they they do, I feel for them, it is bad timing. The reason that they released this on Sunday night, it came out, or my best guess, probably has something to do with the fact that their the first hearing in their lawsuit against the Daily Mail is uh, this week, this coming Friday. Right. And 
since this statement, um, the court documents that had to be submitted for that hearing have started making their way into the press. And there are a lot of the, the text messages and personal communications between Meghan Markle and Harry and her father and um, other information that I'm sure that they don't want out and that is being raked through in the Daily Mail and every other tabloid and and that, you know, I have read and you have read. So at some they didn't if they can't control the timing of the court hearing which is apparently happening like via zoom conference then they can't control that this information is coming out and it is personal and i do understand wanting to do something i wouldn't have right. done this personally i still i think they're getting like absolutely terrible pr advice just like the worst yeah absolutely i also think why couldn't they have acknowledged that this information is coming out? Like, I think it would have been better to be like our, our court case and our continued fight for our privacy and to uphold the laws of the UK continues this week. And as a result, sensitive personal materials will be disclosed. We ask that you respect our privacy, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I think it's completely reasonable to be unhappy that these, that this information is coming out. These communications are coming out. I think it's completely reasonable to want privacy. And, you know, obviously there's like a fine line as we love to dissect all of their moves, but like try to do it from a safe distance and like respect that. I think to like continually trying to like make the, what they, I think believe to be proactive statements about like what they will and will not be doing is so it comes off as like juvenile and entitled. And I think that's the real, that's like really the essence of it is like, it just feels like amateurish and like not fully thought through. Yes. They're trying to be both above it and um, get reap all the benefits from it. And you, it, yeah. it's a very have your cake and eat it too situation. And you just can't do that. I agree with you. It's perfectly reasonable to express your dismay that this information is coming out in public and that everyone is allowed to read it. I also would be upset. I do believe that as members and benefactors from the Royal Trust, they had like a certain responsibility to the public, but it does not involve uh, private conversations with your parents. It does not, there, there is a line, there is a basic right to privacy that was not respected here. So I think even, you know, suing the press gets in like some icky or iffy territory right now for larger reasons that we really don't need to get into in this podcast. But I also understand the case that they have against the Daily Mail. I just don't understand why you can't say we're suing because we don't like what happened. And then after you win, you say we won and now we're no longer going to be speaking with them. Right. It's just uh, this whole thing of making a big to do of what you're not going to do just draws attention to it creates a vacuum that people yeah. can fill with all sorts of things. And it just doesn't make any strategic sense. Yeah. The other thing is they've already said this. They said this in January that they're not cooperating with the Royal Rota. So we get it. We know that already. And also the best way to not cooperate is to not just to ignore them, like just stop giving them the access and they won't, and then they won't really have the stories and they'll have less um, ammo against you. I don't, I don't understand why they need to like, proclaim things all the time. They're, they're no longer Royal proclamations, not necessary. Yeah, I agree with that. And you know, it's a little bit like the conversation that we were having last week, like ignore, ignore, pretend that things don't exist, whether it's a commenter or the daily mail, because the, that's the only power you have in getting someone to go away is not giving them attention. If you give them any attention, it keeps fueling them. Now I do understand in both cases, actually, why it would personally be very hard to do that. The, like, 
especially the Daily Mail and the UK tabloids are going to keep covering them regardless. And they're going to keep being vicious and unfair and probably printing a lot of lies and printing a lot of things that are just unfair. And if you're, you know, you're a human being. And I think you can, to some extent, feel like the humanity and the outrage in this of just like, please stop doing this. Please stop interviewing my, you know, half sister or whatever, who just says terrible things about me all of the time. Like that is human. And I really get it. And it is very hard to, to not respond to those things. And that's why you need a PR team. And that's why you need a bunch of intermediaries to be handling it for you so that you don't swing at every pitch, but yeah, you just can't just don't do it. Ignore it as best you can. Cause that is the only way that they will lose power. Right. And their need to like get their side of the story out there is like so intense, but you know, you just gotta let it go guys. It's just, I understand how hard that is. Like, I know that it's like very easy for me to say that, but I don't think they're doing themselves a lot of favors. No one does. The the other tricky thing here is that there is like wanting an invasion of privacy and just wanting the attention to go away. And there is wanting attention on your own terms. Right. And this seems if if it were just the former, I think we would get fewer statements. I think we would honestly we would see less paparazzi photos. But it there just is this sense that it's not it's not that they want to hide. It's that they want to be living on exactly their own terms. And on the one hand, I get it. I want to live on my own terms, as everyone in my life knows every single day. But they really want the attention and they want to be able to to benefit from the attention and there is something that just seems like misguided about their strategy. And also, again, at this particular moment, it's not really, it's not what anybody wants. Nobody really wants to be giving them attention right now. We have more pressing issues and it, it would be a great time for them to actually have a functioning charity or arm or something where they could use their platform to focus attention more towards causes that need it right now. And they don't. Yeah. And so Again, that's a little bit timing and a little bit bad planning and a little bit and a, a lot, very, very bad press strategy, but it's, it's not what you want. No, it's certainly not. And then I, my favorite updates about Harry come from Jane Goodall. Whenever she talks yeah. to someone, <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> she says that Harry misses the UK, but like, of course he's lived there his whole life and now he doesn't. So <laughs> I don't know. It's very hard to know like what's actually happening with them. Like who knows? I was thinking, can you imagine how weird it must be to go through this for both of them, this tremendous life change. And then as soon as it happens, you know, the whole world changes too. And they're just in some rented house. I mean, I guess they've just been in various rented houses for the past two years. Yeah. And they are more used than others to not really being out in the world a ton and to being cut off from people, I guess. That's sad. but. Must be very strange to be so far from home. Yeah, especially when, yeah, I mean, you know, his his dad had it. So it's true. It's, it's true. so weird. And his dad and his prime minister. But I suppose, I don't know. I hope they're happy. And I, I think this is also like going to continue to get uglier as the um, court case goes on. I hope that they hire some publicists, some real Someone better, some different ones from the people who are currently advising them because it's not working. No more statements, you know? Do just, just do what you can. I, yeah, I feel for them, but also they opened this lawsuit, you know? Yeah. It's, it's not even really the lawsuit that is necessarily bothering me. It's, it's, it's everything else. 
Yeah. Keep Agreed. your head down and, and try to help other people. Harry and Megan, good luck. We will continue to look at photos of you and feel, feel mixed about it, but let's be honest. We'll keep looking. Like all we can do is be honest. We're going to keep yeah. looking. <laughs> exactly. All right, let's move on. But first the ringer's got a new show. Hey, what's up everybody? I'm Jamel Hill. And I'm Van Layton. We're proud to introduce our new podcast, The Wire, Way Down in the Hole. We're going to recap, break down, and analyze every episode of the iconic HBO hit series, The Wire, starting from the beginning with season one. First episodes hit you on April 15th. Now, every podcast episode will include recaps, signature moments, foreshadowing, key character deep dives, little-known facts, and also awards, such as We Love This Show But, the Stringer Bell Fuckboy Award, my personal favorite, who won the episode, and more. So subscribe to The Wire way down in the hole on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you in West Baltimore on April 15th. Subscribe to The Wire way down in the hole wherever you get your podcasts. And now, Amanda, last week we spent an inordinate amount of time, or perhaps a reasonable amount of time, on Brad Pitt. He was on Celebrity IOU. And um, since then, Nancy Myers has caught the show. I want to say I was very touched by the many, many Jam Session listeners who sent me and you this Nancy Myers Instagram post. I felt seen and known and understood from far away. So thank you to everyone. Yes, over the weekend, Nancy Myers posted on Instagram. I will just, it is a video of Brad Pitt hugging one of the Property Brothers. And it's a clip from Celebrity IOU. And here's the caption. I'm on day 41 of my quarantine, so I may be seeing things, but it seems Brad Pitt is on Property Brothers. Whoever did this for me, thank you. Multiple exclamation points. <laughs> Sound up, all caps. Bingo, exclamation point. Great stuff. Absolutely love it. Nancy Myers is like in the great category of uh, people over 50 using Instagram who are just sort of like, sharing their, the delights they come across as they happen. And you know, it it is delightful. The sort of the dissonance with the platform, but, um, the genuine nature of the message is, is very pleasant. And I recommend following Nancy Myers. I really do. I have a request, which is, I understand that Nancy Myers is a, a film director and not an architect and not a builder in any way, but I do feel that a Nancy Myers director's commentary of celebrity IOU would be content that I personally would really enjoy. And so it seems like she's in quarantine. She has some time. If anyone listening knows Nancy, just consider it. I bet Nancy has some thoughts on Santa Monica Flatlands. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to fathom that she doesn't have a, a design show. I mean, like the homes are a hallmark of her, her movies. Let's get her and her production designer onto a TV show. I think that's a great idea. I mean, seriously, that person, it's got to be the same person all the time. I haven't looked into this, but I just assume continuity okay. of aesthetic, you know, <laughs> let's, let's start with a three minute Instagram video that Nancy Myers can do from home. Nancy, I believe in you. <laughs> um, Brad Pitt also popped up on some good news. The John Krasinski, uh, web show that is very charming. And, um, as is Brad Pitt, <laughs> it's really, we should just say also on this show, he hosted a stay at home prom, I prom. think with Billie Eilish and the Jonas brothers. I mean, people yeah. are really committing to some good news as is John Krasinski. Who's just all in. I didn't used to like John Krasinski and now I've had to revise my opinion also. Cause it seems like everyone else likes him, like famous people, not famous people, everyone. Yeah. I like the slight, 
the homespun vibe of this still. It seems like he was like, I don't know, I should just try this. And everyone else is like, yeah, okay, John, we like you. We'll try it with you. It's like, it's like the Gal Gadot imagine thing gone right, sort of. Right. I just feel like he must be so bummed that A Quiet Place 2 didn't come out. He probably had like carved out all of this mental energy to like be in promotional front and center mode that he was like, well, I'm yeah. here. What should I do with this? But I really admire that instead of sulking or being like, well, my movie got delayed and I don't have anything to do. I don't know that I would yeah. find the positive energy to, to do something, but I admire that he did. And I really admire that he got Brad Pitt to do the weather, which of of all the cameos, of course, this is, it's like a three second cameo that I want to focus on, but it was really important because it really is just like a, now the weather and it's three seconds of Brad Pitt sticking his head outside of a home and being like, it's nice. Um, and then it's over. That's it. And He's he's wearing the same hat. It's a new Brad because he's wearing a sweater, a mint green crew neck sweater. It looks like kind of a, a very vintage J Crew 90s J Crew situation, which I really liked. And I would love to bring back for myself and for others in my life. And it I was definitely analyzing the skyline behind it to try to figure out where exactly Brad is located, though. I I do kind of know that he is along the hills east from where I am a bit. I have a general sense of his location, but it was confirmed. It was a little bit lower in the hills than I expected, to be quite honest. Looks like an arts and crafts style house to me, just based on the very little we can see. Yeah, which is but again. I'm assuming that it's his house because everyone's at their home right now. But Brad Pitt is one of those people who could own three to four houses in a neighborhood. I know that he is also friends with uh, several other people in the neighborhood. I believe that is also where David Fincher lives. Um, I'm told that Soderbergh is around there as well. So he could be, you know, borrowing someone else's home. The likelihood that we are seeing Brad Pitt's actual living quarters to me seems quite small, even in special circumstances. He is very private and I think he knows better than that, but it looked lovely. Yeah, it does. It does look lovely. Also, who doesn't want to bring back J crew of like the turn of the century? Great times. A lot of great chunky cotton knit sweaters, which I happen to love personally. I love J crew from like 19, like from the Pacey and Joey catalog of 1998. I was going to say, do you remember the Dawson's Creek catalog? Of course. Of course. We should do an oral history of that catalog. So good. Uh, does that exist? That was really, really formative for me. And I definitely, I, I don't know. I'm sorry for the children who are listening to this, who weren't born then. Also, I guess, thanks for listening to old, two old people do a podcast, but that was a very formative catalog for me. That specific Dawson's Creek one, but also all of them. I mean, I remember I bought so many ill-fitting khakis because I was like, I think this is how I need to look. And I need to try out the different shades of the khaki. Also the color naming was so evocative in the, you know, you know, it was like cloud and seafoam and I, it spoke to me. It spoke his, to young Amanda. His sweater is definitely a seafoam green. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Moving along. Let's talk about some things that we're just, we're into right now. Like, I okay. don't know what you're, what are you reading right now, Amanda? Right now I am reading the sequel to A Year in Provence by Peter Mayle. Have you read A Year in Provence? I have not. I've heard it's good. So it's something that had been recommended to me by several people as kind of like escapist French travel literature. I watched Under the Tuscan Sun a few weeks ago and everyone was like, okay, but A Year in Provence is actually makes sense and is better, which uh, having now read A Year in Provence, I can confirm that that's true. But I read it. (laughs) Yeah. So it's it's about a, a British man and his husband who I think in the late 
in the early 90s moves to Provence and they buy a house and it's just about his first year renovating the house and learning about Provence. And it is entirely escapist and really lovely. And I found myself like looking forward to reading it at the end of the day because it was so soothing. And then I would like stop reading to explain to Zach, like how you hunt truffles and why did you know that, do you know the number one problem with using a pig to hunt truffles? No, what that he might eat it. Yeah. And then you have to like fight the pig to get the truffle away, but obviously pigs are quite large. So then you're like wrestling a pig. Um, so people prefer to use dogs that have been trained like pigs or whatever. I know a lot about truffle hunting if in the 90s, if people want to ask me. So I, I finished reading it. It was very delightful. And my next big reading project is actually that I, I'm going to reread Wolf Hall um, oh, by cool. Hilary Mantel. And then I'm going to read the Bringing Up the Bodies, which is the second. And then the third in the trilogy just came out. So I'm going to try to do all three. That's like my ambitious reading. But I guess it was Sunday night. I was supposed to start my ambitious reading. And instead of starting my ambitious reading, I downloaded Toujours Provence, the <laughs> sequel to A Year in Provence, which I have to tell you, it's kind of like disconnected essays. It's really peak. This book did really well. So I guess I'll just, you know, empty the contents of my notebook into another. a second book. Yeah, it's not as good, but I'm having a lovely time. Okay. So that's, that what I'm, that's what I'm reading and planning to read. Okay, great. Love it. Um, I don't remember why, but somehow I was like, eh, I think I'll get back into some Sarah Vowell, who's like one of my three favorite writers. And mm-hmm. I'm reading, um, Partly Cloudy Patriot, which is her essay collection from 2002. And it's just great. I'm also really liking reading essays, like reading two at a time and then putting them down and like having a lot of like small bites to come to. And, um, Sarah Vowell's my idol, like just in terms of her like body of work and the way that she thinks. And I'm really enjoying reading some like uncomplicated American history with like injections of like pop ideas. And I really recommend it. She's just the absolute best. I just feel like, I don't know if I could be someone else, it would be Sarah Vowell probably. I really love that for you. I'd like to have her mind. I was also going to say, I would love for you to have her Incredibles money, but um, that too. Both, <laughs> both would be great for you. I also admire Sarah Vowell. I have found that I have been doing comfort reading. Like before this, I I had Life After Life by Kate Atkinson on my iPad and it was late at night and I don't know, I just started reading it and then three days later I had reread the whole thing and it's... That is a very upsetting book. I was about to say, it is a interesting book to read right now there are some parallels and but I find I find the way that she writes comforting if not the subject matter so and it was familiar and then I did move from that to a year in Provence so I'm not trying that hard everybody but yeah I mentioned the Wolf Hall project because maybe people here will hold me to some sort of accountability now that I've said it out loud the other thing just to follow up so we talked about Camilla Parker Bowles's reading list I last week, two weeks ago, recently week. on the podcast. And I was very excited, as I mentioned on the podcast. And I went to my trusty Libby app, the library app, and was very sure that I would be able to get all of these books. Like 14 week waits for all of the Camilla books. They are extremely in demand. Camilla Parker Bowles' influence is quite strong. And or she's picking books that are very popular that I'd never heard of. But so I'm on wait list for like five different books. But the earliest one is going to come in a month. So I have to find some way to fill the time. How will you fill your time? Well, probably by reading like 100 pages of Wolf Hall and checking the Libby app every day, being like, is it ready? Is it ready? And then maybe one day it will be. Anyway, 
I'd like to recommend to you uh, the new show on Epics, Belgravia, Julian Fellows of Downton Abbey's new show. Yes. I watched two episodes last night and okay. it's like just as you'd expect from Julian Fellows, like a, a, a very beautifully designed and spoken in, in British accent soap opera. And man, is it great. I love it. I, it's really good Two be two crucial characters die in the first episode. So like, that's all mm-hmm. you need to know. I believe it or not have actually read Belgravia, the Julian Fellows novel. Wow. That this is adapted from Julian Fellows has several novels that I recommend to people. They are the Julian Fellows experience, but in novel form, I, you know, again, it's not Kate Atkinson, but they're pretty good. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to it. I just kind of have to arrange my various streaming services so that I'm able to watch it, but that's definitely on my list. There's a free epics trial on YouTube TV right now. It's, it's really great. Okay. That's great to know. Have you been watching Mrs. America? No, I'm going to. It's next on my list to do. You know, I, um, I've really been enjoying reading. I feel like I, it was hard for me at the beginning of quarantine, but now, especially with essays, it's real. I've really been getting into it. I'm like, oh, I have 15 minutes. Like I'll just read an essay. And that's been really nice. Yeah. I also finally got to a place where I could both read and I have been watching more movies, which is good because I'm supposed to for work. But Mrs. America is the first TV show that I'm like, oh, I'm I'm excited to watch this. That's um, great. That's a nice feeling. Yeah. It's about uh, Phyllis Schlafly and Gloria Steinem and the fight about the ERA in the 70s. And it stars Kate Blanchett as Phyllis Schlafly and Rose Byrne as Gloria Steinem and everyone and every other, not every other, but many actresses who you admire are in the show. And it's very smart and well-made. So... I recommend it. It's fun. It's on Hulu. There Great. you go. I'm in. I'm good. I'm definitely planning to watch it. It's been really uh, just a lot of TV. I caught up on Westworld, so I've just been busy. <laughs> I'm, I'm not caught up on Westworld. You don't need to catch me up. What's your top celebrity Instagram right now? Thanks so much for asking. I still, if I had to pick one place other than my home to be, and this isn't one of those meme things, which like pick a table, even though, you know what? I think those are kind of fun. I always know exactly what table I would sit at. It's very clear to me, but this is not a pick a table. This is just, if I had to be anywhere else, it would be in the Union Wade household. Mm. They seem to be having a great time. They really do. They are just, they're, Dwayne Wade was like cooking deep fried red velvet Oreos the other week. He was just doing a cooking tutorial for no reason. And they're playing games. They're in the pool. They're making memes. I just, I would like to be a part of that household. I it's every day I go to check in and I'm glad that I did. I'd like to be in a home that has a Peloton. I think we can assume they have one. Um, Mm -hmm. Similarly, I feel like Aisha Curry's like having a great time in quarantine as well. Not to say great, but like, first of all, she looks great these days. She like clearly put it really committed to working out a lot. I know she Mm -hmm. has a Peloton. I think she cooks a lot. So like their home seems good as well. I just mostly want someone to make meals for me. I'm really getting sick of taking care of my own meals. It's like my least favorite part of life right now. I'm enjoying it. But as you know, I like cooking. So it's been like a... I find a ridiculous amount of my uh, brain real estate is committed to what will I make for the next meal and when am I going to start making it? And, and, and I'm trying to, you know, avoid waste and make the best of the resources. So it's like a puzzle of like, how will I use this little bit of this? And can I do this? And maybe if I like pickle these onions, I can put them in this other thing. Um, pickling onions, pretty easy. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yeah. You just pour vinegar over onions and put a little salt in and sugar if you want. That's that. 
There was a great episode of the Magic School Bus about pickling, about putting mm. a cucumber into a jar. So that's that's the basis of my information about pickling in general. I mean, that's that's it. That's how you do it. So <laughs> so I have been enjoying it, but it was already a hobby and like something that I enjoyed in a way. I just find that my brain shuts off. Like yeah, when I'm chopping something, nice. it's one of the only times that I just am actually not thinking. So that's good. And I that like is it. Good. But, Mileage may vary. Can I tell you the other thing I really got into? Yeah. Okay. Well, you brought up the Peloton and it made me think of this. So my preferred form of exercise is running. And when when I can run in Los Angeles safely and with distance, I've been doing that, but it's like been rainy and I find that exercise is like, I'm in a better mood after I do it. You can know the days when I didn't exercise. So Kat Marnell, who is a media personality from the 2000s, turned author and basketball fan and ringer fan. Thank you, Kat Marnell. She was like one of the early, this was not a name back then really, but she was one of the early beauty bloggers. She was. And she, if you're interested in media stuff, I recommend her book, How to Wreck Your Life. It's very niche, but she has a particular voice. Anyway, I follow Kat on Twitter and she recommended the workout videos of a celebrity trainer named Kit Rich, who is Jennifer Lawrence's trainer, among other great, things. And apparent great name, Kit Rich. It is a great name. And Kat was saying that the videos are 30 minutes long because that way you'll do them. And that was really appealing to me. And that, you know, I just kind of felt that Kat Marnell and I would have the same tolerance for bullshit in this particular area. And so one day when it was pouring, I hadn't gone outside. I was like, okay, I'm going to be influenced by Kat Marnell and I'm going to do this Kit Rich video, which is just on YouTube. You can find it on YouTube. I put it on my TV. Julia, I loved it. I can't stand this sort of stuff. As you know, I hate organized anything, but especially fitness classes. I, you are one of the only people who has ever gotten me to go to a soul cycle class. And I did it with you because I like doing things with you, but I, I have otherwise not gone back because I really don't like people telling me what to do. I loved Kit Rich. I just really liked her vibe. It was 30 minutes as promised, which is really useful. It was incredibly hard. And I did the modified version of the workout for at least 50% and really 75 if we're being honest. But there was just something that was not annoying about her. I, when she was giving you encouragement, I was like, okay, I will accept your encouragement. It's very hard for me to accept encouragement from people. So if That's you the thing, are- is finding someone who's like, positive affirmations you find palatable. That's the key mm-hmm. to a workout class. Yes. It's like, how are the affirmations delivered and does it sync up for your personal needs? Right. And again, I just want to say 30 minutes that, which is just, you can do it for 30 minutes. As soon as you get to 45, I'm like, well, that's a lot of time. And I don't really know whether I have that kind of time, but I, I don't know if you also benefit from an endorphin booth or looking for something else to do. I really recommend Kit Rich. Thank you to Kit Rich. Thank you to Kat Marnell. Um, thank you to Jennifer Lawrence, I guess. I get, I also could understand how she fits with Jennifer Lawrence. It was a little bit of a, I don't want to say, not taking it too seriously was the vibe while also being a good workout. I don't want to say she was ahead of her time, but I feel that I have a new appreciation for Jennifer Lawrence. I feel like her shtick has become really commodified in a way and she's no longer doing it which I appreciate but like Mm -hmm. she was really into Vanderpump rules very early she was like yes she was fairly early in terms of like being excited to meet Kris Jenner sort of like being being the relatable celebrity is now such like a 
normal state of celebrity that I think we take it for granted, but she was kind of early. Yes. I think that's a great point. And I think this confirmed to me that she has good taste and she's doing it out of like her own interest and authenticity. It's like, I I was like, Oh, I get it. Okay. I understand why this works for you. And I, and I kind of like it too. So I'm going to check it out. I've only done one kid rich video, which is like the most popular one, but I'm thinking about trying another one. YouTube. Is that that where you go for it? It's just on, I mean, you can find her website, but she has like a YouTube channel and they're all right there and they're 30 minutes. I think she's also been doing some live streaming during the, during the quarantine has also been doing some stuff with, I think baby to baby, which is a um, charity that a lot of celebrity mothers specifically work with, but seems to do great work. So, you know, you can do that and support a good cause and also, you know, feel like Jennifer Lawrence for 30 minutes. (laughs) I'd love to. Um, I'm going to check that out. Thank you for the recommendation. Thank you to everyone for listening. And we'll be back next week. Hopefully, I presume there'll be more Megan and Harry news. Well, also hopefully other topics as well. Who knows what the celebrity landscape holds? Bye, Amanda. Goodbye, Juliet. <laughs>